Welcome back to the Throw the Flag Coach podcast with Coach Jerry here. Last weekend was the divisional round weekend with the eight best teams still playing in the NFL. And so let's take a quick review of what we saw this past weekend. First with the Saturday games, we had the Houston Texans against the Baltimore Ravens. I love that Houston was able to hang in there for two and a half quarters. Uh, their offense wasn't very good. Uh, the weather wasn't great, and you could see they were a young team. But they hung in there till halfway through the third, but Baltimore is the better team, and they finally showed up in the second half. They knocked off some of that rust, and they ran it down Houston's throat. Uh, and so Baltimore clearly is the one seed. They're the best team going in, and they showed it towards the end of the game. But Houston had a great season, and again, they've been the model of hope for any NFL team and for any NFL nation. Uh, because they turned it around being the second worst team to then go into the divisional round and even pushing the one seed into the second half before they finally wilted away. Uh, Houston's a young team. They'll learn from this and they should progress next year. Baltimore, uh, they still have some things to, to kick out because they, they looked off. Um, but to their credit, they made plays. Their running game was incredible. Uh, and I think the defense is really showing up. So uh, they're going to be tested this week, but uh, Baltimore is looking good. Uh, but good on Houston that they made it this far. So then we went into the Saturday night game with the upstart Packers, who upset the Cowboys last week, going into San Francisco, the one seed of the NFC. Jordan Love has clearly shown that he'll have the Packers contending soon. Um, they, they outstripped all the expectations. I'm trying to remember when the last time Aaron Rodgers made it to the second round of the playoffs, but I guess that's another, that's a story for another day. Uh, San Francisco was fortunate to get out of this game with the win. Uh, it hurts to have a reasonable field goal cost you in the game, uh, cause that's really what cost the Packers at the end. Uh, but San Francisco's lines, their offensive line and their defensive line, they weren't as dominant as you would have expected. Uh, they looked rusty. Again, that idea of taking the last week off of the season, I don't know if it was the best thing. Uh, Brock Purdy should be better next week uh, in better weather. Uh, those wet conditions in San Francisco seem to really affect his accuracy. But when it came time and they needed that drive to score and to take the lead uh, for good, uh, Purdy was great. And he made some tight window throws and uh, good on them. And they're making it to the NFC Championship game. Uh but it was a lot closer than I thought, and they should be feeling fortunate that they got out of that because uh, the Packers really had the upset lined up. Uh, but they missed out, and so both one seed survived on Saturday. And then as we turn the page to Sunday, we had the Bucks at the Detroit Lions. And even though the Bucks were the number four seed and they were a division winner, their game was an upset, knocking out Philly. So everyone was wondering what the Bucks were going to look like. And the fact that Detroit, even though they were the three seed, they got another home playoff game. So this is the first time in 32 years, 31 years, that they uh, got a home playoff game. And now they got two back-to-back weeks. So Tampa played really well. Their defense keeps them in games all through the season and did the same thing again. Uh, and Baker had a decent game. But... The Tampa Bay Bucks couldn't handle any time they were sending free blitzers at the quarterback. Uh, they couldn't handle it, and that's when they got big key sacks that ended uh, ended drives. Tampa was making plays, but on those blitzes, again, I don't know what they were doing for game planning 
because Detroit has done this all year. They would have seen it on tape. I don't know what the Bucks were preparing for, but they had no answer. They misshifted the line. Baker made the wrong calls. Whatever it was, when they had free runners at the quarterback, it ended drives. So good on the Lions, and uh, it's unfortunate, but the Bucks kept it close, and so good on them uh, because they weren't even supposed to be here in the playoffs, let alone second round, uh, the divisional round in the playoffs. But how about the emotion for Detroit and its fans? Pretty amazing, all that's built up. And they're definitely the Cinderella story. They're the ones that lots of people are rooting for. And now we're going to actually see them in a conference championship. Uh, They handled their business. They took care of their two home games. And uh, now they're in the top four. So good for Detroit. Tampa did really well. They need to make sure they they retain Baker. Uh, And I think they'll be able to to bring this back because they're in a soft division. And they'll be competing if they have a quarterback. And so they need to make sure they get Baker back. And then the game of the week, and to be honest, probably the game of the year, Kansas City at Buffalo. Remember, we talked about this last week, folks. We we anticipated this was going to be a classic, and again, it didn't disappoint. CBS estimates approximately 50 million fans tuned into this game on Sunday night. And that's a record for a divisional round ever. And so in the Kansas City-Buffalo game, I'm throwing a flag on offensive coordinator Joe Brady. You helped save the season. Credit to you, and you're getting interviews for head coaching jobs. But what were you thinking in the fourth quarter? You guys are down by a lousy three points. You couldn't go up-tempo. You couldn't keep the Chiefs' defense on the field. You couldn't have done some jet sweeps and some creative runs as opposed to running right up the middle and losing three yards a rush. Come on now. You should know better than that. For you guys to have come down to that field goal attempt at the end of the game was a joke. The fact that you didn't score in the second half is ridiculous. I mean, you scored, but you didn't score when you needed it late in the game. And so I'm throwing a big old flag on Joe Brady because what got Buffalo to this point was the running game and the commitment to the running game and the ability to get the ball into the skilled positions. And they couldn't do it. I'm also throwing a flag on Stephon Diggs. You yap your mouth. You're the first one to yak, yak, yak. Not yak as in yards after catch. You run your mouth. And then when Josh Allen throws these passes that are hitting you in the hands and hitting you in the arms, you can't come up with the ball. What's that about? Should Josh Allen now be running his mouth like you do? I'm so tired of diva wide receivers. You look pretty bad, and now people are looking at your salary and going, really, $18 million for you? when you barely had any kind of a second half of a season, you're the one that has to help the team overcome. You're the one. It's not these backups who are helping with injuries and helping with other whatever. Klein, the linebacker, who's basically coming off the couch and coming in and playing big minutes. Those guys are are wearing their hearts on their sleeve and they're playing their hearts out. They're not the reason the Bills lost. It's you, Stephon Diggs, who thinks you're God's, God's gift to every quarterback. But when push comes to shove and the game's on the line, especially in the playoffs, where are you? People are looking for Gabe Davis to come out to be the playoff performer. That's what you're paid for. Now you need to show up. Enough of the talk. Start walking the walk for a change. You got to get to work this offseason and get better because you were part of the reason why Buffalo lost. And then the last flag I'm throwing for this week is also in the Kansas City-Buffalo game. I'm throwing it at Nicole Hardman. You dope. You had it going good, but you haven't put your work in as a receiver. And so Kansas City found that you were disposable. Then you go to the Jets. 
completely useless franchise there, and you did nothing. You're supposed to be one of the fastest guys in the NFL, and on that roster you couldn't make any plays. Even though Garrett Wilson, the kid's second year, and he's doing all these things, and so then the Jets dump you back to the Chiefs, and so you figure, okay, you think you would be grateful for the second chance. And what do you do? You cough up the ball at the half-yard line? Your team could have ended it right there, but because you were too stupid and you didn't protect the ball properly, you gave it up and you gave Buffalo a couple more chances at the end of the fourth quarter. You play against Baltimore and you do that, you lose and you go home. You do that in the Super Bowl against either Detroit or San Francisco, it's over. So be grateful that you were going against a weakened Buffalo team and you were still able to win, even though you coughed up the ball. So I'm throwing the flag at you, Hardman. It was... It was just so hard to see Josh Allen lose. He played a great game. You see the things that Buffalo did. I think most people were cheering for Buffalo because they haven't broken through. But Kansas City, you got to hand it to the champs. They showed up. They went on the road. And I found it funny that Mahomes kept making such a big deal of why are people questioning him. Well, why not? The fact is you have had all your playoff games at home. That never happens. Didn't mean you couldn't, but you had to prove it. And they did. And they went into cold Buffalo. Wasn't really, it wasn't nearly as bad as the week before. But it's amazing how Buffalo kept playing, but the Chiefs defense is now the, the lead. They're the ones who are giving them a legitimate chance, even when their receivers drop balls and even when their offense isn't as explosive. It's the Chiefs defense that actually gives them a chance to win a Super Bowl again. That said, I think something folks haven't recognized that is a huge advantage for Kansas City is that they have Andy Reid coaching. See, in these type of rivalries, when the quarterbacks are going at it, I, I mean, when you see Hall of Fame quarterbacks going at it and the rivalries are there, I mean, that that's the picture of it. That's the face of it. That's part of what makes it so competitive. But it's not just about the quarterbacks. It's all the other things that go into their teams. See, back when Peyton Manning was going up against Brady every year, People ignored the fact that Tom Brady had a huge advantage in that he had the hoodie as his coach. Manny had to go up against the best defensive coach ever, one to two times every year. Tom Brady never had to do that. Do you think Josh Allen would benefit from the coaching mind of Andy Reid in these games? The champs did their job, and Mahomes is truly amazing. That offense couldn't be stopped, and you saw the Buffalo defense starting to wilt from all the injuries. They just couldn't stop them. They couldn't get off the field. And the fact that they even kept that game close with all the injuries they had up the middle and in their defense, uh, Buffalo did a great job and really a missed field goal. And, you know, you change that field goal, you're in overtime. And so they were right there with Kansas City, but their defense couldn't hold up. And so kudos to the Chiefs for doing that. But they made adjustments, and as good as Mahomes is, they also have – one of the best offensive coaches to ever coach the game. And so that's an advantage to Kansas City, and I think that's something to keep in mind. I'm hoping this is something that we get to we get to see year after year. But the champs did their job, and I already can't wait for the next Kansas City-Buffalo game next year because this is a legitimate rivalry that we have now, and it's definitely the closest thing we have to Manning-Brady uh, for, for this season of time. So as usual, in looking back at the, the previous week's action, we ranked the top five teams. Now, 
it's getting smaller and smaller, so the list isn't going to really be changing all that much. But it's still worth noting. At number five, I got the Buffalo Bills. I think they were clearly the best. They went toe-to-toe with the champs, and they lost at the end. And so they're the one team that drops off, but they're clearly top five. And so I got them at number five. Number four, I actually dropped the Detroit Lions a spot from last week, for the last couple weeks. Because Detroit handled their business, but they also showed that they can be exposed. And they had to fight to beat the Bucks, And so Detroit... Uh, they came up with the win. They look good. They're physical. Uh, you know, we'll talk about next week's game. I think Detroit's good, but I had to put Kansas City over them. The way Kansas City went into Buffalo, uh, the Chiefs are number three. They 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 surpassed both Buffalo and Detroit clearly, and I got them at the as the third best team. And then number two, not a surprise, San Francisco, although they looked very vulnerable against the Packers. So that'll make next week interesting. But San Francisco still clearly the number two team, and Baltimore. Until they're knocked off, they've been from from pretty much about halfway through the season, they've clearly been the number one team in the NFL. So those are my top five teams going into the championship round. Number one with Baltimore Ravens. Number two, San Francisco 49ers. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number four, the Detroit Lions. And number five, who just got eliminated, the Buffalo Bills. Now, as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl and as the NFL season's winding down, usually there is a main topic that I've got. But just like last week, I think I'm just going to hit on a couple of off-season storylines, just some off-season potpourri, uh, just to sort of talk about a little bit of the NFL before we uh, head to our division spotlight. So this week, I think, you know, even though the Cowboys are gone, they still try to make the news. And there's so much nonsense drama going in Dallas with... C.D. Lamb's mom trashing Dak and making references that he should go to Houston and get paid and be so much better for him with C.J. Stroud as his quarterback. And then Micah Parsons' brother going on about how Dak should take a cut in his salary, or if not, well, then he should leave. And all this trash nonsense going on with not just players, but players' families trashing each other. And with Dallas just sitting there doing nothing to protect Dak, even though he's taking these arrows. I love it. I love the nonsense drama in Dallas because this will keep them from contending because their owner, Jerry, Mr. Jones there loves this. It's all about the attention for Jerry and nothing to do with winning. So I love the fact that the nonsense drama is going on down in Big D. So keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep getting the ratings and keep trending and keep losing and not getting anywhere close to a championship. Well done, Dallas. On the Bears front, really happy for them that they brought in the offensive coordinator from Seattle instead of Cliff Kingsbury. Remember we talked about this. I don't know how good this guy is from Seattle, but he's not as bad as uh, Kingsbury. Kingsbury's done nothing, and I don't understand how he's able to wrestle these interviews. Uh, it, It blows my mind. But good on the Bears. It looks like they got an actual offensive guy. So let's see what happens with either Justin Fields or if they draft Caleb Williams in the in the draft. Let's see how they do on offense. Tennessee hired Brian Callahan. He was the offensive coordinator from Cincinnati. They brought him in as the new head coach. He did a lot in Cincinnati to work with Joe Burrows and those receivers and that offensive line. And he could be good for the young quarterback, Will Levis, in Tennessee. But I really think that they're going to take a major step back on defense and their physicality. 
Mike Vrabel did an amazing job with very little uh, on the on the uh, shelves there. And I don't know much about Brian Callahan in terms of beyond his offensive presence. Let's see what happens because Tennessee still doesn't have a great roster. So I still don't know if they made the right move, but at least they went with a, a young offensive mind uh, to lead them going forward. Let's see how it works out. Now, as of now, there's only four head coaching vacancies. So basically we're at half of where we were before. The latest is Jim Harbaugh signing with the Chargers. I think it's a good move. I'm, I'm sad because he's coming to the division. And even though he's a bit of a nutcase, he's demonstrated that he knows how to coach. And he knows how to teach uh, and develop quarterbacks. And that's been the biggest issue with Justin Herbert in San Diego. Sorry, Los Angeles. And so this should help uh, Justin Herbert become elite because he's got the tools and he's got the talent. It's just a coaching that's been awful in Los Angeles. And so they seem to have fixed that. So let's see what happens now. I think Harbaugh is going to have the Chargers in the playoffs next year uh, because there's so much talent and they've got Justin Herbert. If they're healthy, I have a hard time not seeing them in the playoffs, which is sad for me being a Bronco fan, but I think they got it right. Let's see what happens. But Harbaugh is back in the NFL. So we still have four vacancies left and we still have the hoodie hanging out there teasing Atlanta, but he won't pull the trigger. Uh, So I don't know what he's waiting for yet. So let's see if there's, other vacancies or other dominoes, but uh, Belichick is still out there waiting for his next team. And I think the big thing to keep in mind is with this head coaching carousel, it's also affecting the quarterbacks that could end up elsewhere. Because you have Russell Wilson in Denver, who most people are saying right now that he's probably not going to be in Denver. You got Justin Fields potentially being traded or the first overall pick by the Bears. And you have Kirk Cousins, who's coming back from an injury, but he's free, he's a free agent. Baker Mayfield technically is a free agent, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't reward Tampa uh, with some loyalty and go back there. But So you've got some quarterbacks already in the mix that could be going to different teams, but I don't think that's going to settle until, obviously, they have all the head coaches figured out. So more to see this offseason. There's going to be a ton of movement. Uh, and again, it gives you hope for next year, no matter how bad your team is. Well, I guess unless you're the New York Jets, but that's for another day. So this week, our division spotlight is on the NFC South. And so as you know, every week we take a closer look. Even as the season winds down, there's still storylines and there's still things to look forward to in the offseason to improve the teams for next year. So in the NFC South, we have the Tampa Bay Bucks. We've talked about them. They won the division. They were expected by pretty much everybody to end up dead last. And they won the division. They won a playoff game. And then they played really well in, De- in Detroit. And they kept that game close. Now, they're going to have a much lower draft pick because they did so well, but it looks like they have a quarterback, and that's the number one thing you need in the NFL to compete. So Tampa had a really good season, and maybe they can continue it on uh, through the offseason. New Orleans, this team underperformed. They fired longtime offensive coaches because the offense was so bad, so we'll see if that makes a difference. But the thing with New Orleans is they have tons of talent on both sides of the ball. And their big move on, at quarterback was getting Derek Carr. And they got to figure out a better way to use him. Because there were times that offense looked explosive. And then there were times where they looked awful. And so they need to get some consistency. They need to work with Derek Carr and use his skills. And again, they got weapons on the outside. They got a, a, a very good offensive line. And also, they're in a soft division. So New Orleans needs to come out better. Uh, let's see what happens. But they were probably the biggest disappointment in this division uh, in 2023. 
Atlanta, who was right there with them, uh, they've been a weird franchise. But if they get Belichick, which is, seems to be the leading candidate there, and they get an above-average quarterback, so like we talked about, Cousins is out there, Wilson's out there, Justin Fields is out there. There are some options. If they get an average quarterback, this team will be scary next year because Belichick knows how to coach, and they have a lot of talent, young talent, on the defensive side. And he knows how to coach, and he can teach up even New England this year. As bad as they were, that defense played hard, and they got better as the season went on. You add a quarterback to those skill positions, uh, this is a team that could be like Houston this year. Uh, so let's see what happens in Atlanta. They have a chance, but it depends on if they get the coach right and they get the quarterback right. And last and finally, we got the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Probably the worst franchise in the NFL. And it's not just because they were last. I mean, they ended up dead last. But they don't even have a first-round pick. They traded up last year for the first overall pick. They picked Bryce Young, who was supposed to be taking them into the future, to end up dead last. And now they don't have a pick because they traded it to the Bears. So they're in a bad spot. They fired their head coach and a bunch of their coaching staff. And so now you've got questions at quarterback, at head coach, and you've got a meddling owner who doesn't know when to keep his hands off the team. And so any good candidate who has options, why would they go there? To have the owner looking over their shoulder, questioning their moves, and then a quick trigger if they don't do something right, um, I think that's going to compromise their ability to get a legitimate, strong head coach. And without that, that franchise isn't going anywhere. And... The jury's still out on Bryce Young, but it did not look good for year for year one. Um, so I didn't think they were going to be this bad in 23. And at this stage, the way things are looking, I don't see them being any better in 24. Uh, so those are your four teams in the NFC South. Moving forward, they're all out of the playoffs now. So Tampa Bay has a 26th overall pick. New Orleans is picking mid-range at 14. Atlanta's got an 8th overall pick, which could be a QB if they don't get it through free agency or a trade. And like we said, Carolina was the worst team and they, they don't have a pick in the first round. So that that's, that's pretty bad. They're going to be stuck with a lack of talent. So looking to our second last weekend of the NFL season of 2023, let's take a sneak peek at the conference championship round. So in the first game, we got the AFC conference championship with Kansas city, the defending champs going to Baltimore, the number one seed. And I first got to say, because I've been hearing this nonsense for the last couple of weeks now about rivalries and how, you know, this Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes is a rivalry. That's ridiculous. They've only had a couple of good games between them and only one in the playoffs. But the fact is, Baltimore and Lamar, they just haven't been consistent enough to be in the playoffs or to be deep in the playoffs. So they don't play Kansas City like the Bills have in recent years. Enough with this silliness about rivalry. If they meet in the next couple of years because Baltimore has actually like, you know, stayed a contender, okay, then maybe it becomes a rivalry. But for right now, Lamar's not in the discussion. Period. End of story. Now, if Baltimore wins this weekend and they go on to win the championship, then maybe we'll chat. But until then, Lamar isn't even in the same zip code as Patrick Mahomes, despite his one and then now probably his second MVP. Lamar's a great talent, but he's got to show more to be in that discussion. In terms of the game, it should be a tough game. And if anybody can go into Baltimore and get the win, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Baltimore is loaded on paper, 
on offense, defense, special teams, they're loaded. So on paper, Baltimore should win this going away, but that's not how Baltimore acts. They're hit or miss, and a lot of times they play below their talent, and you can't count out the heart of a champion. And you saw what the Chiefs did going into Buffalo and getting that win, and that defense will keep you in any game. Chiefs got a couple of injuries, so we'll see what happens there. But then you got number 15. You got Patrick Mahomes. And so can Patrick Mahomes solve that number one defense in Baltimore? It's going to be a nice showdown. And either way, the team winning this game is going to be hard to beat in the Super Bowl. And then at night on Sunday, we got the NFC Conference Championship. And we got Detroit, who hasn't been there in 32 years. They're going to San Francisco. And let's be honest. These two teams were clearly the two best teams in the NFC. I mean, forget the silliness of the NFC East. Really, these were the two teams throughout the season that have been the two best, and they're the ones that are going to go at it to to uh, establish the conference champ and to represent the conference in the Super Bowl. So that's awesome. We're, get, we're going to get a great game. Both teams are going to be physical, and Detroit has a legit chance to push San Francisco. This game will not be a blowout. If Green Bay could do what they did to San Fran last week, what do you think Detroit can do? Detroit's got better weapons. Detroit is stronger on the defensive line and on the offensive line. The only challenge is Detroit's still a bit weak in the secondary. But can San Francisco take advantage? Especially if Debo Samuel's not in the game, then that allows Detroit to scheme up with without that weapon out of the backfield and out of the receiver group. So I think this game should be really close. And there are going to be a lot of eyeballs on this. And if Detroit somehow gets the win, they'll go to their first ever Super Bowl, which would be such a great storyline. And wouldn't it be something if we ended up with a Kansas City-Detroit Super Bowl? That's how we started four months ago on that Thursday night, opening day, Detroit Lions going into Arrowhead and pulling off the upset 17-16. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be something if now the Super Bowl ends up with the same two teams? So thank you for joining us this week. We're entering a tough part of the football calendar. We just finished the best two football weekends. Now there will only be three games left until 2023 is in the books. So enjoy the heavyweights playing this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.